Good morning. It was a fun little toe tapping beat. Let's get up. Glad everybody's here today. Hey everybody, Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. God has been so very good to you and he's given you the very breath you just took. So let's praise him. That's it. We've waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're saved. Yeah. Show us your glory. 
praise the Lord with our hands this morning. can go ahead and have a seat. I want to welcome you to Hope Ale this morning. I'm Dan Davis, 
uh, senior pastor here, and it is great to sing a song like that of speaking about the resurrected Jesus who is alive, alive in us, alive in this place, as the scriptures say, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's what we want to celebrate in our time together as we worship our God. Looking ahead, just a couple things I want to remind you about. Next Sunday, uh, we've got a special guest speaker coming in, Tim Shaw, who is a former NFL player who's now struggling with ALS, has this incredible story of faith and courage that he's shared with many. He'll get to share that with us. Tim and I will uh, have a dialogue on stage here, and we'll hear more of Tim's story and just the power of Christ in his life. This is going to be powerful. You won't want to miss it. That's next Sunday, normal service times, 9 and 1045. But speaking of service times, as we go to September, um, the first Sunday after Labor Day, we are changing our service times. Two services in the fall, 9.30 and 11.15. So for this group, a little extra sleep, not bad, right, as the fall rolls around. And uh, really excited about this. We're, we're, we want to just solidify these two services, get them as full as we can, get more people involved in serving, worshiping an hour, serving an hour in areas like children's ministries and welcome ministries and really want to extend that invitation of service to you as well well as we continue our worship we're going to worship through the act of giving and um, as the ushers come forward you know the bible makes it clear that we honor the lord um, with all our lives you know there's an expression in scripture called stewardship that says that everything we have and that's not just financially but our very lives are very gifts you know they're they're not ours but the, the Lord loans them to us, so to speak, to use for his glory and to bless others. And as we do, we experience an incredible joy of what it is to know and follow Jesus. And so it's really in that spirit of stewardship, of open hands, open hearts that we give as an act of worship this morning. So bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, as we were singing that song talked about the heavens being open. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way. The glories of heaven are open up to us as fallen and frail individuals because there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And not only does he forgive, but he forgives completely. Sins past, sins present, sins that we will commit there is grace, there is freedom, there is forgiveness. We just pause, we don't take that lightly. We realize that it costs the very life of your son, our savior, Jesus. And so we respond, not out of remorse though, but out of gratitude, and that our lives would just be one big response of worship and thanksgiving back to you, our God. And so whether it's our song, whether it's this prayer, whether it's these gifts, whether it's our response to your word. Lord, may we respond and give you glory. And Father, our hearts and prayers are not only with this act of giving, but even a little later on as Pastor Ken brings the message that you would just be speaking to him and through him as well and that we would hear the special message that you have for us this day. And God, we just come here so grateful, praising our God from whom all blessings flow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Hey, gang, my name is Billy, and I am the worship pastor here at Hopevale. It's a pleasure to be here with you and worship the Lord and try, try to create an atmosphere for all of us to just enter in to a place where things sort of just slip away for a few moments and kind of forget about what we're going to go do this afternoon and forget about what we're going to have for lunch. Uh, Pastor Dan prayed something pretty significant about uh, today's sort of theme. It's about God making a way, and, and uh, it's part of what uh, today's theme is about. And uh, I hope that you realize today's a day where God's made a way for you, and you can look back and see a few different places in your life where God has done some pretty significant things, and it causes uh, you to forever have praise on your lips. We're going to sing about that. I want you to join us. 
doing that. So stay seated for just a few moments, and we'll get you up on the offerings uh, done being collected. Allie's going to lead us. Take us in, Jeep.
So God, would you do that thing that only you can do through your spirit? Uh, today's another day where so many of us are coming with great hopes that you'll meet with us or you'll say something to us in our life through so many things that we're praying. So many of us are bringing um, so many hurts and concerns to you, God, in our worship. So would you do that thing that only you can do? Would you be that God that we know you to be because we've seen you work in the past? If we've got friends here that haven't seen you work yet before, God, would you move? Pray that today in Jesus' name and we all say and pray together. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, those are some nice photos, aren't they? Everybody can hear me now. All right, good. Well, good morning, good morning. I, I hope you're enjoying our series more than a song so far. Uh, I know that I am. Music is powerful in our lives, isn't it? It really, really is. And people call it the language of the emotions, and for good reason. It, it just reaches deep within us, and that's why as a church, we sing every week, all the time, about God's greatness and goodness, about Jesus' love for us, his death, his resurrection, about the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, about his life-changing power in us. That's why we sing about these things. God uses his truth set to music to powerfully remind us of all that he has promised to us. And I, th I think that's especially important when we're facing fear when we have fears. You see, fear has a way of robbing our sleep, holding us back, making us live a lie, even, and then leading to deep regrets, fears in our lives. I deal with a fear a lot, and I suspect you do too when you think about it. Sometimes we blow through life and we don't realize, what is motivating me here? What is causing me to say what I'm saying right now in this situation with other people? What's causing me to do these things, make these choices at work? How am I handling my kids, my teens, all of those things? And often, often, our words, our actions, our decisions can be motivated by fear. I deal with them a lot. In fact, I consider myself somewhat of an expert on fear. <laughs> I've had fears for as early as I can remember. Haven't you? I remember being afraid. I grew up in my early years in Flushing and being afraid to take out the trash at night. As a little guy, that was my chore. And sometimes I waited till the last minute. Now, little boys never do that, I know. But I waited till the last minute and I'm taking out the trash in the dark and going around the edge of our garage and there was a big, big juniper bush right there. And I had two older sisters who didn't help the situation. <laughs> and sometimes one of them would jump out and, ah! you know, one of those. Scared me to death. So here I am, just kind of walking around the edge of the, our, our little garage and out to the back where we had the barrel and we put the trash in the days that we did that. And I was afraid. I remember being afraid at night about something being under the bed. Now, is this like... Am I just the only wuss in the room here? Or is it, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I see that hand, yeah. And yeah, and just getting ready to go to bed and, and kind of making the leap, right? Have you ever done that? You just make the leap so your feet don't go up close to the edge of the bed. Yeah, of things at night. I was the only boy in my family. I had three sisters and have three sisters and and... So I had my own room, and I just remember laying in, in bed and seeing light kind of dance on the walls and lights that turned into 
dragons and monsters and, you know, things like that. Just childhood fears. I was afraid of some of the childhood stories, too. What about you? Grimm's fairy tales, Disney movies. I mean, it, they're called Grimm or Grimm's fairy tales for a reason, folks. Right? How can they expose kids to this stuff? Witches and tracking you down and tying you up in the... It's, wow. Yeah. Childhood fears. But I grew out of a lot of my childhood fears, at least by the time I entered high school, I think. And, um, but new fears assaulted me. Am I good at something? Can, can I make friends? And about that time, we, we had met the Lord. My mom and dad and I had come to Christ and uh, begun to go to a church and to grow and to, to read the Bible and get into God's Word. And, and so there was a new fear there for me. It was, can, it, can I be a good Christian in middle school, in high school? Can I do that? You know, there were fears. And I found that our fears don't go away just because we become adults, do they? In fact, we add new and deeper fears to our adolescent anxieties. We really do. Will I ever get married? Will we make it in our marriage? Can we have children? Will my kids be okay? Whatever age, I think, as parents, we, we sometimes have fears for our kids. Am I, am I living for what really matters? Will we have enough to retire? How will I die? Am I prepared? What happens after this life? But these are all things that can make us afraid. And these fears are multiplied if you've failed at a job or a relationship, if you've lost a child, a spouse, a friend through tragedy, or if you yourself have experienced trauma in your life, a car accident maybe, warfare. Some of you come out, come out of our military experiencing horrendous things. Or you were, as a child, as a teen, even as an adult, if you were abused in some way. Those, those fears that all of us face as adults can just be multiplied, magnified in your life if you face more of those extreme situations. And so I've been encouraged by the song, No Longer Slaves. It's written by Jonathan Melissa Helser, a Christian couple who live in North Carolina. And you, you've heard it around here a little bit at Hopevale, probably on the radio. No longer slaves. And the chorus goes something like this. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Remember that song? You heard that? Yeah. Well, this is, the, this is the series that if we can't sing in a sermon, you know, this is the series that we get to sing a little bit in, right? I think. I think we have to do it. But good song. Have you heard that song? Heard it on the radio? Heard it at Hopevale? And the writers of this song repeat that chorus. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. No less than nine times. Nine times. And it's not because they couldn't figure out something else to say, so they just repeated the same chorus over and over. I think they could. If you look at some of their other songs, they're quite diverse in the kinds of, kinds of lyrics that they write. But I think they recognized that we, that they, need to soak on these words. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And the truth is, this repetition echoes the Bible's repetition. God says this sentence, do not fear or do not be afraid, it's translated at times, no less than 200 times in the Bible. It is the words, the sentence of the Bible that is repeated most often from Old Testament to New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, these words, do not fear. So we deal with a lot of fears, don't we? 
And this morning, as I, as I mentioned fear and, and the kinds of fears that we deal with as adults, as, as young adults, one of those might have hit home for you. We deal with a lot of fears, and yet God says most often in the Bible of anything else that he says to us, do not be afraid. So how do we put these two things together? What do we do with that? Well, I'm going to take some time to look at one of the Psalms, Psalm 56 this morning, and ask ourselves three questions out of this psalm, just three simple questions. And like many of the other psalms, this, this one was written by David. But it was written at a particular time in David's life when he was in some trouble and he was dealing with some deep fear in his life. So Psalm 56. This is one of those psalms, like a few others, that has an introduction that is written. And the introduction is ancient. It's not part of the verses of the psalm, but it, it is an ancient comment on this particular psalm, and you see it in some others. So look at this introduction before we begin. It says, for the director of music to the tune of a dove on distant oak. So David's given some direction, or maybe a choir master of the, of the temple is giving some direction on, use this melody for these words. It's a song. Of David, David wrote this, of Mictam. Now look at this next sentence of the introduction. When the Philistines had seized him in Gath. The Philistines, Israel's sworn enemies, the people of Goliath, when David was running for his life from King Saul, he went to a Philistine city, the city of Gath, to hide out there for a while. But going there to hide out in disguise... Uh, led to David not being allowed to leave. And it was just a scary situation. So scary, in fact, that the Bible tells us that David pretended to be insane while he was there. It's kind of gross, but he, he just kind of let his spit run down on his beard and walked around just speaking nonsense. And uh, so much so that the king said, don't I have enough madmen around here that you bring me someone else? <laughs> right? So... Yeah, this is a scary, difficult situation for David. He wrote these words out of that situation. So you see what's happening to him. Look at verse 1, Psalm 56, verse 1. David writes, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. His enemies are in hot pursuit, pressing their attack, pursuing him all the time, he says, all day long, attacking him. David's in a fearful, fearful situation. So here's my first question for you this morning. What fears are you facing right now? Right now. What's pursuing you nagging at you. Even as you sit here this morning, there's this little gray cloud. There's just something happening in your life that is causing fear. What is that for you? It can wake you up at night. It's threatening what's valuable to you. You see, that's what causes fear. Something or someone threatens what's really important to us, what's really valuable to us, and it, it causes fear in our life because we fear that we'll lose what's important to us, what's valuable to us. That's what causes fear. And that could be your job. It could be a relationship. Maybe it's as close as a, a parent-child relationship with a, your, your young adult child or your, your teenage child, younger child. Maybe it's your marriage relationship. It's causing fear in your life. A friend, a family member, extended family member. Maybe you have fears about your health right now. Or it could be others' respect. I don't want to lose others' respect or their admiration, and I, I fear losing that. So what fears are you facing right now? And here's my second question for you. When you are afraid, where do you turn? When you're afraid... Where do you turn? We can go a lot of different places with our fears, can't we? David writes, 
uh, beginning in verse 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So David says, when I am afraid. When, not if, but when. It happens for all of us. When I am afraid, I trust in you. And he says this again in verses 10 and 11. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God... I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? What's David saying here? He's saying, I trust in God. God whose word I praise, the God who has spoken to me, the God who has made promises, and he's delivered on them in the past in Israel's history, and I've read it and I've seen it, and God has delivered on his promises in my own life to this point. So I'm going to trust in God to deliver me again to give me freedom, to take me out of slavery. God, whose word I praise. God wants us, when we experience fear, to consciously put our trust in him and his word, to compare God's promises to us, what God has said to us that is true, with what our fears can do to us. Compare the two and consciously do it. We talked about that in the series. Dan talked about that last week. It's like our emotions can lead us places that the Holy Spirit and in our minds we need to reel back, don't we? Feelings can easily become facts in our life, can't they? And we have fears. I fear that this is going to happen to me can become it is going to happen to me. It is. So our fears can easily become facts. That's what David is dealing with here. That's what he's dealing with. So he asks himself, what can mere mortals do to me? He's, he's comparing God's word and God's promises and God's truth with what could happen and saying, it, does, it doesn't even stack up. God is faithful. I belong to him. I can trust in him. In him whose word I praise. How would you finish verse 3? When I am afraid, I... What? I finish that verse in different ways, at different times, with my fears. When I am afraid, I try to work really hard to work it out my own way. When I am afraid, I get angry. Do you? Does that happen for you? When I am afraid... I sometimes don't know what to do and feel paralyzed. I just feel like I can't put one foot forward because I'm afraid, paralyzed. How would you finish that verse? When I am afraid, I what? You know, fear can take us a lot of places, can it? It can take us to manipulate relationships to blow up in anger, to try to control a situation. It can take us to some relief. I, I just want some relief. I want some comfort from what I'm dealing with here. And that can lead us to alcohol, to abuse of drugs, including, including prescription drugs. I just want to feel a little bit better. Fear can take us all those places. How would you finish that verse? When you're afraid... Where do you turn? And David's words here, when he says, one I am afraid, I will trust in God, this isn't just Christianese. This isn't a Hebrew bravado. Okay, bring it on. What can people do to me? That's not what he's saying here. Because he says in this psalm, people can do a lot to us. They can make us afraid. Somebody at work, somebody in our family. They can really make us afraid. Look, at, look back at verse 5. David writes there about what's happening in his life at that moment. All day long, he says, my enemies twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. What can people do to me? A lot. A lot. It can make our lives miserable. 
can bring a lot of fear to us in different situations. So David isn't, this isn't just uh, trust God anyway. You know, praise the Lord anyway. That's, that's not what David's doing here. This is an eyes wide open, yes, my fear is real. Things are happening here. People are twisting my words, conspiring against me. They want to take my life. But when I compare that to who God is and what he has said to me in his word, and God, whose word I praise, whose word I honor, I'm going to choose to trust God. I'm not going to choose this, these fears, and to work it out and to figure it out my own way. I'm going to choose to put my trust in God with my fears. David goes on in verse 7, and it just shows us that God is, God is worthy of our trust. You know, because sometimes we think, well, I've tried to put my trust in God, but things aren't changing. It, it's just going on the same way, or even sometimes things get worse. Right? God, I'm trusting you. I'm trying to walk with you. I'm trying to follow you, but it, it's not getting better. And look what David says about the God that he trusts in, verse, verse 7. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the, na the nations down. What is he saying there? God is just. He will set things right. God will handle the situation. And there's a bigger picture involved. It doesn't, doesn't mean that everything was going to change for David. And in fact, if you read David's story, he's being chased by King Saul. He's now among the Philistines. And after that, things didn't get better for a while. King Saul was still chasing him, trying to take his life, trying to keep him from becoming king. David's life didn't get better right away. But David puts his confidence in God because God is just. God, God has a bigger picture, that he is at work in a situation in his life, in our lives, in ways that we may not immediately see, but he's at work. God is just. Verse 8, he says, Lord, record my misery. Let my tears, or list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? You know, God sees the details of our lives, and he cares. God, take one of the translations says, Lord, take all my tears and put them in a bottle. Every tear that falls off my face, in this fear, in my distress, bottle my tears. What's he saying? God cares. God cares for us. He knows the details of our lives, and he cares for us. Verse 9, David writes, Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. That's quite a statement. God is for me. God has my good in mind. He has my, my holiness in mind, that I'm becoming more like him. Not, not always that I'm comfortable and happy, because God has a bigger picture in that. And men and women, I've seen this many times in my own life, and I've seen it in the lives of, of brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that God's bigger picture is it's for us. Can God change our situation that is causing us to fear, our job situation, our health situation, a relationship, relationship situation? Could God step in and change that right away? Yes, he could. But he has a bigger picture in mind. And if the choice is God changes it and I'm happy and I go on my merry way, kind of living my life independently of God, or that I grow deeper in trusting God, in loving him, in saying, Lord, you're the one that I can go to. You're the one that has the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? And Lord, I love you. And I trust in you. Without you, I can do nothing that's of value for eternity. I think if God has a choice, 
of fixing our situations right away and we go on our merry way, healthy and happy and more independent of God or that we grow in our love for Him, our dependence on Him, our honoring Him, our commitment to Him in our lives. According to Scripture, I think this is the bigger picture that God is choosing for us every time. And you know what? I don't like it. I don't always like it. It's like, Lord, I get it. That sounds so spiritual. And I know it's biblical, but oh, I don't like it. Right? I'm uncomfortable. This makes me afraid. I don't like it. Right? And that's the tension that we deal with as believers in Jesus. Our God is just. He cares about the details of our lives. And he is for us. As his children, we can turn to him every time we're afraid. Every time as his children. Love what Romans 8.15 says, and some of, the, some of the words of the song, No Longer Slaves, come out of these passages of Scripture, Psalm 56, Romans 8, Galatians 4. And for us as believers in Jesus, if you put your trust in Christ, the Bible says that God's Holy Spirit lives within you, lives within me, and that he is a spirit of adoption. Right? He, he reminds us that we belong to God, body, soul, and spirit. We belong to our Father in heaven. And we don't have to be afraid. And in these verses, Psalm 56, Romans 8, Galatians 4, you see this, you see this theme, these two things happening of God has given us his spirit, that we, that we are his, that he cares for us and holds us in his hands as his children and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. And so God's words to us, repeated so often in the Bible, do not be afraid, have real meaning in our fears. Do not be afraid. Because God is who he is. He is just. He cares for the details of our lives. We belong to him. He is at work. So here's my final question for you this morning. How can you, how can I grow in trusting God when we're afraid? How can we grow in this? If we said all of us face fears, we all do. Sometimes we blow past them and don't recognize them until some quiet moments. But then God repeatedly says to us, do not be afraid. We're trying to put this together. So how can we grow in trusting God when we're afraid? And David helps us here. He writes, beginning in verse 12, I am under vows to you, O, God, o my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Vows, thank offerings, walking before God. This is, this is Old Testament language. So David, as an Old Testament believer, is saying, I've committed my life to God. I've made vows to God. I've committed my life to pleasing God. And, and I'm committed to thanking God for my life. And I'm committed to walking with God throughout my life. Right? The truth is, if we don't trust in God, we're kind of on our own with our fears, aren't we? And it's, I'm going to work harder to work this out, or I'm going to get angry and try to take control, or I'm going to find, seek comfort and relief in some way that can dig the hole deeper in our lives, right? And we've experienced that. But if we're willing to trust in God as his children to please him through our life, we will grow in our trust overcoming our fears. We will grow. So I'm going to encourage you to, through your fears, to commit yourself to pleasing God in your life. Fears can lead us astray. They can lead us, put pressure on us to do things we wouldn't otherwise do, to live a lie in some situations. But commit yourself. Make vows to God. Commit yourself to pleasing Him in your life through your fear. And commit yourself to thanking God for your life. Pastor Dan talked about that last week, just 10,000 reasons. Sometimes fears can start here, very small, and they tend to do this, don't they? 
They tend to get bigger in our lives. And they grow, and they grow, and they grow. And a thankfulness for our life and how God has worked and how God has provided and how he's been with us and how he's cared for our children through their lives and our job situations, how God has provided for us over time, all these things. Commit yourself to thanking God for your life. And finally, commit yourself to walking with God throughout your life. You know, when we are afraid and have an intense situation and say, God, help me, save me. I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to please you. And, and God doesn't respond immediately or he doesn't respond the way we think. That he doesn't fix our circumstances right away. We can become discouraged, disillusioned. God didn't come through for me. So I don't know. I don't know. It's easier not to come here on a Sunday morning. It's easier not to open our Bible. We, we can go through some motions, but inwardly we're feeling it, don't we? I think that's why God inspired David to write this, to, that he's committing to walking before God throughout his life. I encourage you to do the same. Commit yourself to walking with God, before God, throughout your life. And you'll see sometimes a little ways down the road, a situation gets clearer. A little ways down the road, we, we get some new perspective. A little ways down the road, we see God, God has a bigger picture, and it's, a, it's about my love for him. It's about my growth in him, humbling myself, dealing with some things in my life that God wants to deal with rather than just chop, chop, fixing the situation in my life. Commit yourself to walking with God throughout your life, and you'll find your trust in God growing and your fears diminishing. Well, our oldest son, Ken, uh, they, are, they are going to have a baby this week sometime, so we're very excited about that. It'll be our first grandbaby, but when he was a baby, when he was a toddler, on uh, the first little house that Renee and I lived in, we had a, in the backyard we had this huge tree, and I mean, it was huge. You've seen trees like this. Literally, it would take two to three people stretching arm to arm to get around the trunk of this tree. It was massive. But about six feet off the ground, about as high as I am, this tree split into three huge branches. And Kenny, as a toddler, a two-year-old, he, he loved to stand in the crook of that tree. And I'd stand him up in there and he'd just hang on. And we have some pictures of him standing in the crook of that tree. But one of the things I did, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, so hang with me here, parents. But one of the things I did is, is I invited him to jump. Come on, come on. You know, maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe it's a son, a boy thing, right? It's live on the edge of death at least once a week, I think. That's, but, but, you know, at first he hesitated. There was a little, like, you could just see his little, little gears going, like, Dad, are you going to catch me? You know, can you catch me? Are you paying attention? You know, it's like, but after a few hesitant jumps, he started to just leap with abandon. Just jump out of that tree. And sometimes it scared me a little bit because I wasn't quite paying it. Oh, honey, we're going to mow the lawn. And whoa, here he comes. And, you know, he just, but there was a, there was a trust there that developed between him and I in that moment. A trust that, that praise God, has, has gone throughout his journey, our journey together as a father and son to this point in our lives that we thank the Lord for. But you know those moments, right? When you're afraid and you feel like you're, I won't do it, but you feel like you're just kind of stepping out into space and God, is there footing there? Is there something there? I'm afraid. Or in my job, in my relationship, in my health, in my later years of life, Lord, what's, what's ahead? I, I feel fears. And we feel like we're jumping off this tree into space. God, can you catch me? Will you catch me? And our answer is from Scripture, yes, yes. God can and will catch us. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And so as we sing this song, 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. Right after I pray, let's, let's sing it with abandon. Let's, let's sing it to the Lord. God, you can catch me. God, whose word I praise. Let's pray together. Father, we, we bring to you our fears. And Lord, we have a lot of them. We have some fears that are embarrassing to talk about with other people. But they're real for us. We deal with them. We have some fears that are very much on our minds right now as we've talked about this this morning. And so I pray that you will lead us to trust in you, to know that you are good, you are just, you have the big picture in mind, to know that you care about the details of our lives. So, Father, we trust in you with our fears. We sing the song in faith, and we do it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of the living God. And you can give him whatever fear you face this week. Well, we're having a, a special Sunday next week with Tim Shaw, former NFL player. You won't want to miss this. This is going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time next week. So we look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.